We're going to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 36. This is going to be um, a little bit different today um, on the approach to the scripture. I felt the Lord dealing with me early this morning, and uh, it's so funny. I, I've said it many times. I don't know if it's God's sense of humor or what it is, but he never seems to deal with you at like 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning. It's like he always wants to deal with you while you're trying to sleep. And I'm like, Lord, that'll be good in two hours, you know. <clears throat> but uh, I don't ever want him to stop speaking. And I don't ever want to stop listening. Amen? Amen. Praise God. If you were not here Wednesday night, and I don't ever do this. You know I don't. Very, very rarely. If you are not here Wednesday night and you are a member of this church, I want you to go listen to what I preach to this church. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I believe with all my heart that God's always had a people that were selected by his hand to do his work and represent him in the earth. And if you have not seen that, I want you to go watch it, listen to it. Uh, if you cannot afford to buy a CD and need one, I'll buy it for you. Um, the, the delivery probably wasn't all that, but the content is powerful. And so I want you, I want you to have that. In your repertoire. It's going to come at a time in your life when you may not even think you need it, but you can reach back and get it out of the armory and use it. Amen? Amen. Praise God. If you haven't found Jeremiah 36 yet, there's probably not much hope because I've rambled and rambled and rambled. <laughs> Amen. And it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord saying take thee a roll of a book everybody say a scroll, scroll. and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel and against Judah and against all the nations from the day that I spake unto thee, from the days of Josiah, even until right now. It may be, it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them, that they may return so powerful, that they may hear the word and they may Return every man from his evil way that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Jeremiah, take out a scroll and write down what I've told you. And it may be that when men hear it, that they will turn from their wickedness and I will heal them. That's a big maybe. You know it? I want to preach to you today about the second scroll, the second scroll, and you may be seated. So we're in a very interesting spot at this point in history, in the unfolding of Israel as a nation, in particular Judah, as it is currently being led by Jehoiakim who was the son of Josiah. And they had turned their hearts toward wickedness. And they had turned their face away from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Who, thank the Lord, is still our God today. Amen. They cannot kill him. They cannot cancel him. They cannot get rid of him. They can't do away with history and say, well... He don't exist. I'm telling you today, he is as powerful as he has ever been. And he is still, here's a note for you, he is still in control. He is still in control. And so there comes a time in the lives of people at some, some point in everyone's life. Uh, it seemed like for many years when I was in youth ministry that I had found the key that unlocked the door it seemed that the most wisdom was rained out on one's life approximately 17 years old, to the best of my estimation. Uh, when you're about 17, you know more than anybody in the room. Amen. And then when you get 25, 
you really do wish you knew at 25 what you thought you knew at 17. But there comes a place in everyone's history that nobody can tell you anything. They're not going to break through. They're not going to tell you anything that's going to make any sense or any difference in your life. And our prayer for our young people is that they survive that season. Amen. We want them to survive that season. But I want to tell you, it is something that you fight all of your life because the children of Israel fought this on a regular basis. It basically looked like this. If you could break down their history, it looks like this. God puts his hand on them. They forget how good he's been. So he turns his back against them and says, I'm going to give you a chance to repent. And they don't repent. They finally get so desperate because everything's broken, everything's messed up, that they come to a place where it's either repent or die. And so the options look pretty good to turn back to God. And it happens over and over and over and over. And this is why today, uh, please understand, I'm not presenting this in a negative context, but that's why sin really is arrogant in uh, its very nature. We become arrogant to believe that we have all the answers and that uh, it's going to be different for us than it was the people before us. I don't know why it is, but every generation has to learn something on their own. It's like we cannot look at the sins of our fathers and, and just realize it's going to be a dead-end street, and so God has to teach us again. But at this stage in Judah's history, it's very interesting because uh, we see this repeat itself again, and I'll touch on it even in the New Testament, but basically what's transpiring is that God raised up a prophet by the name of Jeremiah who was a weeping prophet, and he was anointed from his conception in the womb of his mother. The soul of Jeremiah was anointed to be a prophet to the nations. And when Jeremiah begins to speak against the frustration of God, God's frustration with the people that you have sinned against me, they make a really unwise decision as a people, okay? And they put the prophet Jeremiah in prison. Because here's the spirit of the people. If we don't like what the prophet is prophesying, we'll just lock him up and shut him up. That spirit is rampant in the earth right now. Oh my. John the Baptist came out preaching repentance in your New Testament. And he finds out that Herod is taking his brother's wife uh, to be his wife. And John said, well, that doesn't please God. And so instead of John just sitting back and saying, I hope somebody will at least tweet to Herod. hope somebody will put a post on the Facebook of Herod and let him know how wrong he is. Hopefully somebody will come along and let him know. John said, no. I've been the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Now I'm going to be the voice of one crying in the city. And I'm going to raise my voice and let him know that this unrighteousness is not pleasing to the Lord. Now I'm going to tell you something today, church family. We're going to come to a place in this timeline that we're living right now. That we're either going to preach a gospel that's dangerous enough to be persecuted... Or we're going to pass under the radar and when the Lord comes back, we won't be found in the number that have been separated unto him. Now I know this is awful straight for a Sunday morning, but I want to tell you the reason why the North American church has seen less persecution than many around the nation is because we live far too less dangerous. We would rather align ourselves with the governments and the thoughts of this world than we would to align ourselves with the word of God. And we take a gospel that was really powerful enough for all nations, all tribes, and all tongues. And we say, well, you know, it may be the right thing to say and the right thing to do, but it sure feels irrelevant to our culture. And so we begin to adapt and coddle people and we adapt the word of God to the culture rather than telling the culture they've got to adapt 
to the word of God, but I'm glad today to be among a group of people who refuse to conform, who refuse to comply with the wishes of this world. We are the children of God, and we will not sit down, and we will not be quiet. I'll never, I'll, I'll never forget as long as I live the misconstrued context of the book of Romans when they started telling us not to have church together and people started quoting the scripture saying that we should line ourselves up with the governments of the earth. You know, there's something really interesting about your Bible. Do you think, honest to goodness, that if the 12 apostles would have lined themselves up with the government of Rome, that they would have ever been persecuted? It didn't happen. Why did John the Baptist get put in prison? Because his message was contrary to the message of the culture. Now don't misunderstand me. I'm not in any hurry to get in shackles and chains and go to prison. But don't you think that if the Lord withholds his coming that we won't be dealing with that. You do understand that just north of us there are men that have been put in prison and are still stuck there today. And the only thing they did was have church and preach the gospel. That's it. Oh yeah, they did, Pastor. They, they did more than that. They were smart alecks and they were, listen, I'm just going to tell you right now. When they come humiliate you in front of your family and your children and hog tie you and carry you off and the only crime that you've committed is that you refuse to not assemble together, you'd be upset too. And I'm telling you, it's important to set your spirit right and keep your spirit right. All of that matters. But understand this preacher when I tell you today that we will never die for something that we're not willing to live for right now. Some of us are still trying to decide which services of the week are uh, uh, electives, which one we can choose to be. I'm going to tell you right now, just forgive me if I sound a little strong, but the Lord's not coming back for slackers, and he's not coming back for weak knees. He's coming back for people who have set their heart like a flint and say every time the church doors are open, I'll be in the house of God. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm telling you, forgive me today if it sounds hard on a Sunday morning, but i got to preach it to get to some of you on a Sunday morning. I'm telling you that anything we put in front of God, he's more than willing to take it from us if we're not willing to put him first. That's not Pentecostal rhetoric. Come on, somebody. That's not Pastor St. Clair's idea. It's in the Word of God. We got to seek first the kingdom. We got to put him first. Why does that matter, Pastor? Because the day is coming that we're either going to be found standing for him or we're going to sit down on him. Yes, I know the message is strong. Yes. I know it's strong, but folks, listen, I got to ask you today. Sincerely, I really do. I, I've been in prayer this week. I was, I was standing in the corner praying, and I was seeking God, and, and I was almost scared to ask this of the Lord. I was praying, and I said, God, if what we have faced in the last months have not awakened people to the need for prayer and faithfulness, and I was scared to ask this. I said, God... What else is it going to take? This is probably not going to be sermon of the year. I said, God, what else do you have to allow to transpire in our lives to realize you desire to be first and that's it? But see, here's the deal. None of us want to pray serious prayers anymore. I'm going to tell you, precious ladies, how to handle a carnal husband. I, all you got to do is start praying, God, whatever it takes. 
Come on, somebody. I'm going to tell you how to handle children that don't want to live right. You just start praying, God, whatever it takes. Because the answer is not going to be found in locking the prophetic in prison and say, we don't like what you said, so we're going to lock it up. It drives me insane. You can't post anything at all on social media anymore, uh, hardly without somebody saying, this has been fact-checked by independent fact-checkers. You know what? We didn't have fact-checkers till people started telling the truth. And I'm going to tell you why we got so many fact-checkers. It's because they've been fact-checkers in the Word, but they're not ever checking facts. They're twisting it for you to believe what they want you to believe. And this world of religion is telling us that the answer is in religion and more fellowship and more groups and more programs. I'm telling you the answer is in this nation bowing their knee to the Word of the living God. It's insane. Write something online about, thank God I've been healed of COVID. And uh, other treatments have been proven to work. You've got to be kidding me right now. Where do these people come from? And I was sorry that I asked. Because if you start reading... You're going to find out where the fact checkers come from. And then you're going to find out why they're checking your facts. I wish people cared. Listen, this is, I'm a, this is a sincere statement. I wish people cared more about truth than they did being right. You can be seated. <laughs> it blows my mind. Listen, this world does not want truth because truth says you got to stop sinning and turn your heart to God. And so what they'd rather do is lock truth up in a prison. Woo! I think think I'm going to include something in here that you don't even have to pay extra for today. Amen. I'm going to give you a good dollar's worth in the offering if that's all right. Here's what you need to know, brothers and sisters. You're going to find it in the story that I read to you this morning. The Lord said, okay, Jeremiah, they're going to lock you up in prison. So I'm going to speak to you in a different way. And he said, I want you to get a scroll out. Send somebody to get you a scroll. And so the story tells us, and if you want to this afternoon, you can go through it, read it, and fact check me and make sure I'm not lying to you. The 36th chapter of Jeremiah said that that Jeremiah sent for one named Baruch who was, uh, who was a scribe that would be his, his secretary to help him and to write this down. And so he would sit apparently, unless they let him in to be with Jeremiah, the picture that you get is that he's sitting just outside uh, uh, of the bars of the prison cell and he is visiting with Jeremiah and they're speaking, perhaps having a good cold Pepsi together, I don't know, but... Uh, they're sitting there discussing the word. That, that was a joke. Don't fact check that. <laughs> and they're, they're sitting there uh, uh, talking a little bit, and Jeremiah's not wasting any time. He's telling Baruch, he says, I, I want you to write everything down and don't miss anything. I want you to write it down. Why? Because that's what the Lord said. The Lord said, everything that I've spoken to you about Judah from the time we got started while Josiah was leading until now while his son Jehoiakim is, is leading, I want you to write every bit of it down. And, and, and then he says, Baruch, I want you to take that and, and, and I want you to, to hand deliver that. And I want you to take it to somebody and, and begin to read it in the house of the Lord. Listen, I'm going to tell you a little secret this morning. And again, this is worth more than you paid for it. So just let me break it down. And get it to you right now I know the world wants to silence the word but I've got a news flash for you and it's coming across the ticker tape of the pulpit this morning they cannot silence the word of God it's not going to happen silence the word of God put it in a prison cell and God's going to send somebody that'll write it down on a scroll and deliver the word I'm telling you right now you cannot silence the voice of God in the earth he's always had a people and he always will 
you believe it, shout yes. So, Baruch takes the words of God that were spoken by Jeremiah and he writes them on the scroll and he carries them very carefully. Now, I'm going to say to you today that this is an interesting perspective on the story because when you read the story, the scripture tells us that Baruch, who was the, the writer, so to speak, he was the scribe. He came in uh, verse 10 uh, at the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house and he read it in the ears of the people. Listen to what I'm telling you. Baruch's gifting was in writing and preserving as a scribe. But there was something about this word being so desperate to be shared. That the Lord allows this man to function outside the comfort zone of his election. His election was to be a scribe. But the Lord allowed him to open up his mouth and speak that which was written. I'm going to tell some people that in the end time church, some of you are going to learn to thrive outside of your comfort zones. There is a shift in the anointing that God is putting in this hour. And I'm telling you right now that some of you, I prophesy it and I speak it over you today. Some of you are coming out of your caves. Some of you are coming out of your intimidation. Some of you are coming out of your fear. I believe in the name of Jesus that God is about to open doors for some people that never dreamed they would be sharing the word. And you're going to open up your mouth and speak the word. Speak the word. You're going to, oh, God, help us. I wonder if there's anybody in here today that said, Lord, I don't care if it makes me uncomfortable or not. Just use me. You do understand the words that Baruch is carrying are not a delightful a newspaper to be reading. <laughs> it's words of impending judgment. And so for all of us that pray often, Lord, use me. Okay, let, let's look at the context of what that means. That means you're going to have to carry some things that are heavy. And you're going to have to say some things that are not easy. But the reason why the Lord was not afraid to let Baruch be the one to speak it is because his family had spent their lives being sure that they preserved it. Oh. He said, I can count on a man whose desire is to preserve my word, to plainly speak my word. I don't have to worry about him lightening the load a little bit. Can I tell you that God's not going to use people that have sugar and honey dripping off their tongue to saturate the word a little bit in this end time day. We don't need sugar-coated preaching. We don't need honey-saturated preaching. We need the word of God to go forth in this hour and reveal to the hearts of men God is not happy with the sins of this nation. He read it in the house of the Lord. Verse 11 said that when Micaiah, the son of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, had heard out of the book all the words of the Lord. That he went into the king's house, into the scribe's chamber. And lo, all of the princes were there. And so now, the word is not just being read in the house of God. Lord, I, I, I feel something prophetic in this. He said, but now I'm going to send you to the interior cabinet of the king's men. To the princes. 
And I'm going to be sure that the word of God is not just delivered to people who feel the same way that you do. We're going to let this word climb the ladder and get into the darkest of rooms where people are going to know that if they walk away from this, it's going to be by their intentional effort to disregard the word of God. Hear this preacher when I tell you today, you don't have to like it and you don't have to believe it. But I'm still crazy enough to believe that God has has a way of getting his word to the highest of offices in this nation. I believe with all of my heart that God has a way of bringing this nation to her knees in repentance. If you'll just hold on for the ride and get the word in your heart, it's going to be all right. Verse 12, he went down to the king's house into the scribe's chamber. Lo, all the princes sat there. Even Elishama the scribe. And Deliah the son of Shemaiah. And Elnathan the son of Achbor. And Gemariah the son of Shaphan. And Zedekiah the son of Hananiah. And all the princes. And Micaiah declared unto them all the words of the Lord that he had heard. When Baruch read the book in the ears of the people. God give us people that will speak it so plainly that when other people start translating it, there's no gray areas. Therefore, all the princes send Jehudi, the son of Nethaniah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Cushai, unto Baruch, saying, Take in thy hand the roll wherein thou hast read in the ears of the people and come. I'm praying this right now, that the word will be so right and so powerful that God will even take men that have been corrupted by the sins of the nation and say, maybe this is something we ought to listen to. Go get your Bible and come to this office. Take in thy hand the roll wherein thou hast read in the ears of the people and come. Somebody say, bring the word with you. So Baruch, the son of Neriah, took the roll in his hand, and he came to them. And they said unto him, Sit down now and read it in our ears. So now he's not just reading in the house of the Lord. He read it in their ears. Now this story gets pretty wild right here. So it came to pass. When they had heard all the words, they were afraid, both one and the other. They said unto Baruch, we will surely tell the king all of these words. They asked him, they said, tell us, how in the world did you write all of these words? Where did they come from? And then he answered and he pronounced all these words. He answered them, he pronounced all these words unto me with his mouth. And I wrote them with ink in the book. Then said the princes unto Baruch, go and hide thee and Jeremiah and let no man know where you be. Son, what you have spoken is contrary to the king. And we want you to go hide you and the prophet that spoke these words. And be sure that you're in a safe place. I know how the enemy works. And I know the first thing he makes us do when, uh, when we give in and collapse to a spirit of fear is we start looking for a safe place to hide. It's just the way the enemy is. Whew, that was a strong word, son. Maybe you ought to go hide after you preach that. Go find you a place where you can hide and be away from the trouble. Whatever you do, go hide. And the scripture said it came to pass that they were afraid. They said, we're going to tell the king. He said, we want you to go hide yourself and don't tell anybody where you are. Verse 20, they went into the king, into the court. But they laid up the scroll in the chamber of Elishama the scribe and told all the words in the ears of the king. Watch this. I, I love this story. It's kind of neat. It preaches itself. So the king, Jehoiakim, he's, he, he, he's trying to play it cool, and he sent 
Jehudi to fetch the roll. Go get the scroll. And he took it out of Elishma the scribe's chamber. And Jehudi read in the ears of the king. And in the ears of all the princes which stood beside the king. And here it comes, verse 22. Is this all right that we walk in the word a little bit? Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month. So on our calendar, we're somewhere around the month of December. And there was a fire on the hearth that was burning before him. Watch this. The word of the Lord came to the king in a cold season where there was a convenient fire. Oh, God have mercy. If I could preach this right now, it'd be a miracle. There was a fire that was burning. And it came to pass that when Jehudi had read three or four pages or sections worth, that he cut it with the pen knife and he cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. And listen to this spirit right here. Yet they were not afraid nor rent their garments. You know we've come to a different spirit in an age of freezing cold conscience. When the word of God can be destroyed in front of people and it doesn't even make them afraid anymore. People don't like it, so we'll lock it up. And if it gets out, we'll burn it up. But it don't bother us because we like our way of living so much better. We like it, and this is what we want. And it's a shame and a reproach when that same spirit has moved into the hearts of cold saints that are willing to rearrange the scripture and say it doesn't adapt to my life, so I'll take what I want and I'll burn the rest. Forgive me today if it sounds like I'm being ugly because I don't mean to be. My heart is just set on fire this morning. It ought to bother some people when the word has been perverted in pulpits all across this nation. Oh, God. So, he said there were a few men that were around him. That said uh, that we're begging him not, not, not to burn this. As a matter of fact, in verse 25, it said they made intercession that he would not burn the roll. But he would not hear them. But the king, now watch this now. The king commanded Jeremiel, the son of Hamalek, and Sariah, the son of Ezariah, and Shemaliah, the son of Abdeel. By the way, there's not going to be a quiz after this for all these names. To take Baruch, take the messenger, the scribe, and Jeremiah, the prophet. I don't even know if we know what to do with this. But the Lord hid them. This one's burning me up, Bishop. Because the Lord is showing us through his prophet and the scribe and the spokesman of the word of God. You just let the world hate you because before they hated you, they hated me. But there is a place, and if this is contrary to what you believe, you're going to have to argue with the book. But there is a place that God has preserved that the name of the Lord is a strong and mighty tower that the righteous run into and they find safety. You hear what I'm telling you right now? They can threaten to kill you. They can threaten to destroy you. But they cannot destroy what they did not create. I'm saying this morning, Father, we'll be bold and we'll be loud, but preserve us. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I am. Hide me in thy pavilion. 
My God, I feel his presence in here right now. For thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. Somebody ought to be praying this for me right now. You've been afraid standing for truth. You've been afraid what's going to happen to you and your family. But I'm here to preach to you this morning. Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. The glory and the lifter up of my head. You are my hiding place. Father, there's no shadow of turning with you. You are a strong tower where I can be safe. I'll stand for you today, Jesus. I'll live for you today, Jesus. I'm telling you, there's no reason for us to be afraid today. There's no reason for us to fear. I mean, worst case scenario. I don't want to think about it, and I sure don't want it to happen. But I mean, really, I'm not living for this life anyway. I mean, what are you going to do, threaten me with heaven? You quit preaching that. We're going to kill you. Oh, no. You just better be sure if that moment comes, you've been prayed up for that moment. Because if you can't even be faithful to the house of God, you'll sit down right then and quit preaching. You mark my words. Sometimes I get frustrated. I know, I know people look at, they look at the way that, that, that we live, and I'm just telling you how I live. But, Bishop, I, I pray every day in my life, God, I don't want to fail you. I don't, I don't want to fail you. I don't want to miss you. I, I mean, I'm being honest. I, 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 it's not because I'm so afraid of failure. It's, it's really because I don't know when my time's coming. And while everybody's focused on pre, mid, and post, rapture, and when all, you know, I have my feelings, and I've preached a little bit about it. Let the rapture come. I hope we all get to go together. I'm tired of doing funerals of people that I love. I'd love for us to go together. But if I go before the rapture, I've got to be rapture ready when I go. God, I mean, Lord. I mean, it's not very often that the Lord sends a telegram from heaven to people and says, Today, you're going to die in a car wreck. Yeah, right. You understand what I'm saying? Somebody say, I got to be ready. Man, Lord have mercy. We're living in an age right now that's pretty scary. I mean, good grief. People are doing crazy stuff. It's wild. I told you the other night I was traveling on September the 11th I was a little uneasy boarding a plane I was I'm just being honest I'm not a fearful person but I was I mean I, I had some trepidations getting on a Delta Airlines flight on September the 11th I mean come on now there's people that came against our nation 20 years ago on that day Got thousands, thousands of people that could have been infiltrated by that same jihadist mentality that are now living in this country. At military bases at that. Well, that ought to make your skin crawl. Whoa. God have mercy. And I, I'm not here to harp on something and act silly, but I'm just telling you right there. That right there is what makes me feel like I believe in the protection of the borders of the church. You can't just let anything walk in. When, when, when you open up the borders of your life to whatever, just, just come on in. That's what's going to happen in your life. You're going to get what's coming. At some point, you're going to have to stand up and say, if that was a problem for me before Christ, I can't let it back in my life. There's no room for us to dwell together. If that was my weakness before, I can't go flirting with it and let it in my marriage this time. Talking about them realms of distinction. The word of the Lord 27 came to Jeremiah after that the king had burned the scroll, burned the roll. 
And the words which Baruch had written at the mouth of Jeremiah saying, Here it comes. Take thee again another scroll. And write in it everything that I said to you in the last one. Because the king has burned it up. But that's not all I've got to say. <laughs> he said, go ahead and write down everything I sent him in the first scroll. But in the second scroll, I want you to say to him, to the king of Judah, thus saith the Lord. Listen, in case you're wondering, Jeremiah wasn't there to see the scroll burn. The Lord said, you tell him in the opening of the scroll, I know that you burned the roll. I know that you took the mercy that I sent you and threw it in the fire. I gave you the opportunity for repentance and you burned it up. He said, I want you to say, why hast thou written therein saying, the king of Babylon shall certainly come and destroy this land and shall cause to cease from thence man and beast. Watch this. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have none to sit upon the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out in the day to the heat, and in the night to the frost. And I will punish him and his seed and his servants for their iniquity. And I will bring upon them and upon their inhabitants of Jerusalem and upon the men of Judah all the evil that I have pronounced against them, but they threw away the first scroll. I tried to come to you with mercy. But you refused to hear my voice. Then took Jeremiah another row. And he gave it to Baruch the scribe. The son of Neriah who wrote therein. From the mouth of Jeremiah, all the words of the book which Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned in the fire. And I love this right here. And there were added beside unto them many like words. I'm going to tell you what I believe the Lord has spoken to me today. And I, this is, I'm just telling you, I, I feel so strong and bold in the Holy Ghost. I believe... If I could say it like this, we are living now in the time of the second scroll. Where the words of God have been preached to this nation. Well, Pastor, if, if we've been preaching the coming of the Lord now for hundreds of years, 2,000 years, I mean, why, like, what's going to make people listen now? I'm going to tell you right now, folks. Listen to me. I hate to say this, but not everybody's going to be saved. There's too many people right now that take the word of mercy and just throw it back in the fire. But we're in the age. I believe this in the Holy Ghost. I can say it with confidence. We have now moved into, Bishop, the dispensation of the second scroll. Where the word of God is going to come forth as strong as it's ever been in the earth. God, I feel the Holy Ghost bearing witness to what I'm saying to you right now. We have come into a place where the word of God will not go away, but it will become more powerful. You can write this down. We are living in an age where it will not be discarded by the remnant, but it will be preached with more fire and more fervency and more passion than it's ever been preached. And the first warning that God sent was with the offering of repentance. But if this nation does not repent while they can, when the second scroll is unfolded, the Lord is going to look at this nation and declare to them, because you did not heed my word, I'm going to destroy this nation. I'm asking you right now, this is, this is different. I'm asking you to stand with me while the Holy Ghost is working right now. Jesus. We can go about our way patty caking with the devil playing church. Just doing whatever we got to do to get by. But you hear what I'm telling you. The second scroll is being written. And God's about to open his mouth through the prophets. Lord, I feel you here right now. Ha, la bo shahaya.
And when the Lord begins to unfold that second scroll, my brother, it's going to be a different dimension. We are moving out of the dispensation of grace into the judgment of God when we stand before him on that great and terrible day. That dispensation of grace will have ended and the second scroll will be opened. And when he opens that book, he's going to say, because it didn't matter to you then, it ain't going to matter to you now. And this is what he said. He said, from this point on, your seed will no longer sit on the throne in Judah. What's that mean, Pastor? It means that God, man, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. God is getting ready to cut off the bloodline of wickedness that refuses to repent. And by the time the Antichrist reveals his face and we see his power working in the earth, you have to understand he will be the last, if, if I could say this in the biblical context of what I read, he'll be the last king to sit on that throne because there's coming an end to the rule and the reign of wickedness. And the next king that will sit on the throne in this earth again will be he who is seated high upon the throne in the heavens today, Bishop. And he's going to sit on the throne of this earth. And here's the good news for you and I. At his second coming, not the rapture, at the second coming, when he comes back, Brother Kevin, you and I are going to rule and reign with him. And we're going to see everything that the accuser of the brethren has tried to accuse us with and tried to tear us down with. But we're going to rule and we're going to reign with him. I'm saying, Lord, unfold that scroll because I'm ready to rule and reign with you. I feel it from my feet to the tops of my head right now. Lord, I'm pleading on behalf of our nation today that you would withhold the second scroll for just a few more hours. God opened the gates of repentance in this nation. God, give us one more opportunity before we throw mercy in the fire and the second scroll is unrolled. Give us one more opportunity to preach this gospel message. Oh, God. Is there anybody here today that feels the burden of what I'm preaching that would just inter intercede for our nation right now? Is there anybody here? That would forget about your politics and forget about who you like. And let's cry out to the only king that really matters in this nation. Jesus, heal our land. Heal our land. Forgive our sin, Father. God, don't let us throw mercy in the fire today. Don't let us throw mercy in the fire today, God. Oh, you're our hiding place. Oh, great God, you're our hiding place. Oh, Jesus. I'm telling you, I feel something sovereign sweeping in this room right now. Woo! Uh. God, I pray for our leadership from the White House to the courthouse. I pray, God, for this nation today, for repentance. Have mercy on this nation, Father. Forgive us for innocent blood, Lord. I pray today, oh God, that you would give us wisdom in this hour to see the greatest harvest that we have ever seen. Father, I believe today that before you wash your hands of this earth, there's still work to be done. Would you move and would you work? God, I believe that before you work in this nation, there's some homes you may need to work in in this house today. There's some families and homes that you may have to work in in this place today. God, forgive us for our shortcomings. Forgive us of our evil ways. Forgive us of neglecting so great salvation. 
God, forgive us for neglecting your house. Forgive us for neglecting your presence in prayer. Forgive us, oh God, for neglecting consecration through fasting and prayer and seeking the word of God. Awaken us today, Lord. Awaken us today, Lord. Uh, I'm telling you, church, the cry for our nation ought to be way louder than what I'm hearing in this room right now. God will turn. We'll turn from our wicked ways. We'll turn from our wicked ways, God. Second Chronicles 7 and 14 says, If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. The Lord was not speaking that to the wicked. He spoke that to the righteous that were refusing to be righteous. He said, if my people, not if the wicked, if my people, the repentance is needed in my people. Let my people humble themselves and pray. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. It's so sad for me to believe that before the Lord can bring us harvest that he's got to continually chasten the church in our own wicked ways. God, clean us up today. Lord Jesus, clean our hearts today. Clean our lives today, God. Let us be prepared. If you have not repented of your sins today, if you've not been baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of those sins today, I'm telling you, there's no better time than right now. The Lord's brought you to this house. Repent of your sins today. Be drawn to a watery grave of baptism where all your sins can be washed away right now. Come on, we're not playing on people's emotions today. Hear the word of the Lord. Above all else, you must be saved. You've got to be saved.